Welcome back to New Money this evening. We're talking investments, our first live show of the year. Uh, my guest is Oren Tamba. He's a portfolio manager with 27.4 Investment Managers. Oren, I'm going straight to my emails now. I've got an email for you from Basil in Camps Bay. He says, although I've dealt with some of this, Basil asks what you think the rate hike trajectory will be like in the USA, South Africa, and other developed and emerging markets towards policy normalization? So I think that's a very good question. Uh, I mean, given uh, the background that we're coming from, uh, essentially, uh, with a lot of central banks indicating that they will be changing uh, the tone when it comes to the monetary policy. Uh, so you know, the way we see it is we believe that um, you know, from here, uh, interests are going to be going up. Uh, that's, that's sort of given on the market. Um, but the Fed is the one which is going to sort of lead. Uh, it's going to dictate to, to everybody else. Uh, all the other central banks are going to take the cue from the Fed. Uh, and they're also going to be, to be sort of dictated by uh, the inflation experiences in their own countries. Uh, so the way we see it, according to our own projections, uh, we see uh, you know, the Fed rate uh, ending this, this year you know, somewhere very close to 1%. So we're looking at about three to four hikes during this year uh, of 25 basis points each. And that's that, that we see the, the Fed rate arising from the current 13 basis points to something very close to uh, 200 basis points. Uh, so we, in, in Europe, uh, it's, it's, it's a slightly different uh, sort of outlook uh, because when you go to Europe, inflation, yes, it has, been, uh, it has been quite high, it has been elevated, but we believe that it's somewhat under control. Uh, and once uh, the, the supply chain constraints that have been driving the inflation numbers in Europe are out of the way, uh, we could see the uh, inflation in, in Europe coming back to uh, the, the target of 2%, which the ECB is targeting. So we, we, we don't see the ECB uh, in raising interest aggressively during this year. Uh, but when you go to emerging markets, as I've said, they'll be taking the cue, first of all, from the Fed itself, uh, and as well as from other external factors. So if you take South Africa as a very good example, uh, we're going to be looking at what happens to our own inflation. And that inflation number is going to be driven by uh, things like the exchange rate, is going to be driven by you know what happens within uh, the oil sector in terms of the oil prices uh, is going to be driven by many other external factors so those factors are going to sort of uh, dictate uh, in terms of what the SRB will do. Uh, but generally, when you look at consensus, uh, in, when you sort of uh, consolidate the views that we're getting from market, uh, you know, the, 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 the majority of economists are expecting that the SRB will perhaps you know, hike interest rates by three to six times this year. Uh, most of them are looking at 25 bo basis points at each hike. Uh, but I, th I think what's important, you know, is, is best not the actual uh, sort of number or the actual uh, um, absolute number in terms of the, 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 the where the rates are going, but rather to determine whether uh, the financial conditions are going to be accommodative or tight. And what we basically see is that uh, as much as we're going to have these aggressive interest rate hikes, uh, the financial conditions are still going to be very accommodative. We're looking at, the, at, at where uh, the Fed, for instance, expects the, uh, the interest rate to be when it's done with this hiking cycle. It's looking at about 2.5%. And when you look at a Fed rate of 2.5%, that, that's what we used to have in 2019. It's not anywhere close to uh, you know, the historical rates that uh, the, the, the Fed has been um, uh, you know, where it has been historically. So generally, I think at the end of the day, we're looking at an environment that is going to remain very accommodative, even though the, uh, you know, the interest rate might actually go up. And in South Africa, you see interest rates also being yeah. hiked? 
Yes, uh, so, so I, th I think that there are probably two different um, uh, sort of schools of thought when it comes to South Africa. There are, there's one school of thought which believes that the South African Reserve Bank is behind the curve. Uh, they believe that they should have started hiking interest rates as, as, as early as last year. Uh, we've seen other emerging markets like your Brazil, uh, your Turkey, they've already started hiking interest rates, but they have different inflation expectations. So that school of thought believes that uh, you know, for the SRB to catch up with uh, other emerging markets and also to be able to sort of uh, protect South Africa from what the de developed markets are going to be doing. They have to hike interest rates aggressively. And that school of thought you know, is looking at about six hikes uh, next year. So we could see uh, you know, as much as 150 basis points hikes you know, coming through uh, this year. Uh, but there's also another school of thought which believes that uh, you know, the Fed doesn't have to be sort of um, uh, driven by those factors. It has to look at the inflation number and they believe that inflation at the moment, uh, if you strip, uh, strip out the, uh, the impact of fuel uh, on the 5.5% inflation reading that we got in December, uh, essentially the core inflation in South Africa is still uh, within sort of reasonable level, We're looking at about 4.1%. So that school of thought is looking at about three basis points. So I could say, I mean, in terms of the range, uh, we're looking at uh, between 100 basis points 250 basis points from different analysts at the moment. So, Oren, let's understand. We've had a recovery in the RAND. We've had a weakness in the dollar, because not only have you seen the RAND recover, you've seen the pound recover from 132 to 137. Now, normally when you're hiking interest rates in the US, you would expect the dollar to strengthen. Yes. So, here we have, is, is this, this a temporary uh, recovery in the RAND? Well, yeah, we believe that eventually, I think when the hiking starts, uh, we might actually start to see some sort of weakness in the rand because the, the dollar has to, to strengthen. Uh, th th that's how markets are, you know, because essentially what will be, what will be happening in the U.S. is that uh, uh, the Fed will be trying to suck out some of the liquidity in the system, right? And when that happens, that usually tends to be uh, positive for the dollar, and that will see a lot of other, you know, emerging markets, uh, currencies coming under pressure. So I, I, thi I think, you know, what we're seeing, you know, the, the, the movements that we've been seeing in the round at the moment uh, seem to be very temporary. So let me ask you this question. A lot of people are asking, you know, I didn't want to take money out at 16, 16, 20. Now the rand at 15, 30, 15, 40. You're talking about international markets being pretty positive in the year. And maybe they're certainly not going to perform like they did in the last two years. But good performance, slightly weaker rand. Would you say this is a good time for investors to export and get that diversification of global investments? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think we've always been more bullish on, uh, on global, uh, global assets. Uh, we, we don't usually make that particular decision predicated on the RAND alone, but uh, in terms of the prospects that you can get outside of uh, South Africa. We understand that the, that the RAND dynamics tend to uh, have an impact in terms of the uh, ultimate return that you get in RANDs. But usually I think when you make the decision to go and invest uh, outside of South Africa, it should be on the basis of your uh, views when it comes to global assets. And generally, as, as we've said, I think we've talked about it earlier on, uh, you know, the prospects uh, that we're seeing outside of South Africa are much better than you know the prospects that are here in South Africa, especially when you look at economic growth. Uh, if you look at the U.S. Uh, at the moment, uh, it's expected to grow at around five percent. That's uh, you know. It's, it's way, way ahead of uh, its, its, its um, sort of trend that has been growing at. It's well above the inflation. Yes, it's well, it's well above inflation as well. You go to Europe, uh, we're looking at uh, economic growth estimation of, of around 43 4.4% as well. So when you look at those numbers, and then you come back to South Africa, um, and, and we have got a projection of about 2.1%. So those sort of growth differentials should 
you know, on their own be the basis for somebody to want to sort of add, uh, you know, some sort of exposure to, 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 uh, to offshore assets uh, you know, if, if they fit into their portfolios. Oren, another email from Gary in Randburg. He says, before Christmas, the world was up, up, up the upheaval by the Omricon variant. Given these developments with South African equities sectors look well positioned to deliver strong earnings in this environment, where do you see this going now? Yeah, I, th I, th I think one sort of assumption that is coming from Gary is the fact that Omicron is essentially uh, having a very negative impact on the economy. But I mean, to be quite honest, Brian, uh, you know, as we've seen so far, Omicron has had very mild impact on the economy. Uh, yes, we have seen infections spiking in, in South Africa initially because that's where it was first discovered. Uh, then that trend went to Europe. Currently, we're seeing the trend in the US. But when it comes to the hospitalizations, it hasn't been sending a lot of people to hospital. It hasn't been sending a lot of people into ICUs. It hasn't been killing a lot of people. Uh, and as a result, I mean, even our government, which you know that uh, tend to be very cautious, uh, it actually uh, you know, eased restrictions in the middle of, uh, of the fourth wave. And that was because they were looking at that data. So, uh, you know, I, I would rather not be defensive. Uh, that, that's where I'm trying to go to. I'd rather not be defensive when it comes to, to COVID-19 at this point. I'd rather be offensive. So in other words, instead of me looking at, uh, you know, certain sectors that would do well under economic restrictions, you know, under, you know, a, a scenario whereby COVID-19 is impacting markets, I'd rather look for, for sectors whereby which can do well if the economy is going to reopen, because I think that's where we're going. Uh, so if you look at our South African markets, I'm thinking of insurers, for example. The reason why I would say go for insurers uh, is because when Omicron started in December, everybody started selling them off. I know that they've been recovering lately. Everybody was like, the mortality experience of insurers is going to be, uh, is going to be bad. It's going to hit their earnings. Uh, and also the insurance, they started you know, uh, increasing their provisions because they're expecting that if, that if, if, if Omicron is going to be, uh, to be severe, then they're going to have uh, an, a very severe uh, mortality experience as well. So Insurance for me, uh, life insurance, I think is one sector that you can look at. I, I like banks at this point. Uh, you know, the reason is all because I know that banks are usually linked to, to the economy. So if we assume that we're going to have a continued reopening of the economy, even though the, gr the growth trajectory of South Africa is not very rosy, I think that will do well. And again, uh, you know, the, the policy normalization that we talked about as well. Oran, we talked about banks. Let's talk about people looking for income. I mean, we've had preference shares and we've had a buyout of preference shares. Quite a few companies are buying out their preference shares. What about property funds? I mean, property funds for years was central to anyone's income portfolio. Then we had the collapse in 2018, before 2019, and now we've had a slight recovery in property funds. Are we likely to see a recovery in income? Yeah, yeah, I think definitely. I think at this point, uh, you know, investors should start expecting uh, property companies to, to start, you know, uh, dishing out dividends. Uh, because when you look at uh, the overall uh, health uh, of, of the property sector, it has improved quite significantly. Uh, you look at their loan to value, uh, you look at, uh, well, uh, when it comes to, to, to the vacancies, they're still not uh, where they were pre-COVID. But generally, you know, depending on the sector that you're looking at, things are improving. And, and obviously, uh, uh, you know, when you look at that, you should expect, um, uh, yeah. you know, dividends to come through as well.
Oren, we never dealt with so many emails that came in and so many questions. We'll deal with it in another program. But I do expect a lot more volatility this year after such good years internationally. And if you're a long-term investor, you need to ride it out and just make sure that you stick to quality companies and funds. Oren, I'd like to thank you for joining me this evening. It's important to note our programs provide information and should not be construed as advice. Next week's program, we will once again be dealing with healthcare. And if you need to get hold of me, my details will appear on the screen. I'd like to thank you for watching and good night.